Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome back, everybody. JT and for Jim, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by as we continue on here. Excited to talk about the NBA. Will it be a blockbuster offseason like last year with Kevin Durant? I doubt it. There'll be some player movement to talk about it. Joe Varden, kind enough to join us, covers the NBA for The Athletic. Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, Big two questions or two players I want to spend the most time with, Damian Lillard and James Harden. Let's start with Dame Lillard wanting to go to Miami. Does Portland even care about that? Are they going to acknowledge that? Are they going to try to help him on the way out, move to his favorite destination? Well, first of all, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Happy 4th to everybody out there. Um, When it comes to your question about the Blazers, it's not that they care or don't. This is about the other trade partner and entering into this massive deal, whatever it's going to be, and trading away however many assets you need to trade away to get a player like Damian Lillard when he doesn't want to be there. Um, and that, that is the crux of the issue now. Like, you know, I appreciate what the Blazers have done here by releasing this statement uh, saying, you know, from Cronin saying, hey, we're, we're going to do what's best for us. Um, and, you know, you could suggest that maybe what the Heat has to offer, certainly by themselves, uh, might not be enough. Um, so you need a third team there. But, but that's all, you know, th- that's all beside the point. Th- the point is Damian Lillard wants to go play for the Heat. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. Uh, he said he wants to be traded, so the Blazers could theoretically trade him anywhere. They could pull a Belichick and, and send him to Orlando or whatever, who you know, who, wherever. Uh, but do you want, if you are the team that that, um, that Portland thinks can get the most assets from, do you want to send all that stuff away, acquiring a disgruntled star who doesn't want to play for you either? Um, that's a test. It's a test for them, and it's also a test for Damian. You know, he has been stewing about playing for the Blazers or not for years. I mean, this goes back at least to 2021, and uh, it took him two or three years to get to this point. Like, does he have the stomach to be traded to a place he doesn't want to play and then do, like, engage in the, in the kind of behavior that it would take for him to push his way out of that market? I'm not sure. So, you know, I think there are some some variables here that we don't know the answers to yet, and none of them really have to do with the Blazers caring or not about taking care of Dan. Joe Varden joins us, covers the NBA for The Athletic. So let's assume he can go to Miami. It's Tyler Hero and what else? How do you have to match the salaries or pull this off? I'm sure Tyler Hero doesn't want to go to Portland. No disrespect to Portland. He loves it in Miami, loves the team and the chemistry and his role and wants to be 100% healthy to help this team get over the hump. I know, I know he's not going to be thrilled. I think he's got $120 million left, which to me is insane for a player of his ability. I think he's a good player. I don't think his salary should be at that level. That's got to help make the trade with Dane, right? Right, it does, and then you know you have uh, Kyle Lowry has an expiring contract. I forget what the final number is, but it's big. Um, but like as I mentioned, for a deal like this, considering what the Heat actually have to offer, you're probably going to need a third team. Uh, 
for reasons not limited to, um, Tyler wouldn't be a great fit in Portland where they're guard heavy anyway. Um, you know, I don't know why if you're the Blazers and you're going in a different, different direction, you take on all that money for a player like Tyler, like given, you know, who they just drafted, you know, who they brought back, whatever the case. So you need a third team. Um, you know, I think the, the word coming out of Miami is like whoever you want other than, uh, Jimmy and Bam, uh, because of course then acquiring Dame doesn't really work if you don't have those two guys. We can talk about that if you want, mm-hmm. but but they need to hold on to those two. But but other than that, you can have whoever you want. Like we, the, the Heat know they need to make this deal. Um, they're going to do everything they can. I mean, they're, it's a star hunting organization for sure. Um, kind of a spotty record lately with that, and uh, now they're they're on the doorstep um, of really getting a guy who could who could make a difference. What does it say, Joe, and Joe Varden's our guest, about the other teams that aren't as good as the Heat, that aren't making this a priority more so? We'll get to Philadelphia in a second with Harden, but my Knicks, I'm a Knicks fan. What the hell are the Knicks waiting for? They, they had Brunson a year ago today. Julius Randle's a player that's a good player at times, but he's not, he's not an elite player in this league. Dame is better than Julius Randle. What should the Knicks be required to do since they haven't won since the early to mid-70s to make a move like this? What are the Knicks waiting on with their assets? Would R.J. Barrett be a player they'd be interested in? What do the Knicks have to offer? Well, yeah, that, that's, I mean, he, that's the name that you hear there. I mean, you don't – the thing that we know, and this is – this is applicable to the Knicks or to any other team in that boat. Um, and I certainly understand and appreciate uh, the, the Knicks situation, given that market and the history there and also the, the swings and misses on this very type of thing. But, but what we have learned just by watching Dame over the course of his brilliant career, uh, top 75 player, mm-hmm. but he is not enough as an alpha to win. He's not. He has been on these teams before, uh, good teams, teams that would probably, you know, be similar to some of these other rosters that we're discussing here. Um, and he is, he needs another piece or another two pieces. You know, he's, he's a smaller player, which of course doesn't affect his ability to score the ball. Uh, just a brilliant, dominant scorer. But when it comes to the pick and roll, when it comes to the wing defense and, and some of those things, when you get into a playoff series, you know, he, he hasn't been enough to, to lift the team. So when you talk about something like the Knicks, um, you know, the, the Knicks, of course, could not trade uh, Jalen Brunson or, or Julius Randle to do this because they'd be, I don't think they'd be any further along. Um, I think the Knicks are waiting for, that wing, which of course that's the cliche in the NBA. Um, everybody wants like the star three or the star four now. Um, but I think, I think that's kind of where the Knicks should, should want to turn, you know, if they're looking for that, that one other star player. I mean, I know of course, obviously they have their eyes on Donovan Mitchell who is bigger than Dame, but, but it's, it's a similar, it's a similar player, but I just, you know, if you're the Knicks and you're trying to get a hold of, of Damian Lillard, then yeah, like you start with R.J. Barrett, um, and I, you just you don't think from a Blazers perspective that that's enough to to move their needle. NBA insider Joe Varden joins us from the Athletic. You know, I don't believe that James Harden is pulling this again. 
that he went from Houston to Brooklyn. Now could he's not happy. We know he's not thrilled with Philadelphia. And potentially, I'm out here in Los Angeles today, that he could end up with the Clippers. He continues to get rewarded for bad behavior or being disgruntled or not being interested in laying roots down and building something. There's too much movement from James Harden. And I think that Ballmer's desperate enough with the new arena coming up there to try to pull off a deal with Kawhi and Paul George. And if he could pull this off and get James Harden, I get it. Selling tickets, if he could keep that group together. But I don't know. Is that a winning combination there? They all play similar roles as two threes. And I don't know. I don't know if I love the fit in Los Angeles. And I don't know if Harden has a lot of options. What are you hearing? I'm hearing a couple things. And then there's also, like, we can address your analysis, which is pretty good. Um, you know, what, what I'm hearing is that <laughs> that, they're, that, the, that James, of course, was upset with the 76ers for not negotiating against themselves, basically, um, and, and circumventing the new CBA rules and, you know, negotiating ahead of time on, you know, a massive new contract, at, at like, um, w- with his options still on the table. And that upset him, and he decided that, like, that he was opting in with the idea of, of, uh, of pushing his way out via trade. Uh, the Sixers, you know, are engaging these teams in, in potential trades. They're certainly listening and, and talking it through. But they also do see a path um, to where James is on the roster when the next season begins. You know, cooler heads prevail. Um, you know, it becomes clear that the right deal for the team isn't out there. And if you remember way back, you're going to ask me the year and I forget, but this is in the early – 2000s when the Cavs had a handshake like agreement basically with Carlos Boozer not to pick up his team option the idea is that he would come back and and stay with LeBron this is you know 100 years ago of course but so they kept that 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 uh you know they they kept their word and the next thing he did was turn around and and take a free agent deal elsewhere uh, because they didn't pick up his option and you kind of have the reverse of that here. I mean, James entered into this agreement or entered into, like, he picked up his option, like, because he wants to be traded somewhere that couldn't sign him into cap space. Okay, well, the Sixers are under absolutely no obligation to do that. Um, and they never told him that they would trade him. So they wouldn't even be going back on their word here. Um, so I do think if the Sixers can change their roster in a way that they think would further benefit Joel Embiid and the idea of winning before something catastrophic happens to to Joel. I think they would do it. But short of that, you know, short of like the pieces parts uh, approach to this, um, there is a scenario where where James Harden stays uh, with the Sixers and, and then, you know, I, I think we have seen he does have the stomach for it, for for, for becoming a distraction. Um, but that would be his only option. And then do you do that, you know, at his age and what would be a free agent year coming up next year? Like, do you soil your own reputation to the point that you ruin your market value? Or do you play out your deal with, with a, a reigning MVP and a new coach who's won a title, uh, supposed to shake things up a little bit? So... It's not that bad of a situation uh, for James at all in Philadelphia. It's just he's upset, 
and and so we'll we'll see you know what what transpires there. Thank you, Joe. Enjoy the Fourth of July tomorrow at Joe Varden V A R D O N. Hope to talk to you soon again. Really respect your work. Thank you. Oh, I, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. You got it, Joe Varden from the Athletic. There, I could give a crap what James Harden wants. Again, I said that at the opening monologue. I don't care what he wants. That has nothing to do with my job as a sports talk host. I'm supposed to point out his flaws. He's at the end of the back nine of his career. And the fact that he's disgruntled all the time, I don't want that guy on my team. I'd like the nights where he gets me 34 points and he hits some big threes. He's a great player. He's a great scorer. He's one of the great scorers of all time. But inside the last four or five decisions he's made in his career have been horrible. And he keeps getting rewarded, and that's player entitlement. That's the definition of player entitlement, where players believe they're more important than their team and the league, and they can do whatever they want. And I think they need to be reined back a bit. They make a ton of money. They have, they have the best lives in the world, but they don't get to dictate where they go. That's insanity. As a free agent, you can go where you want to go. You're under contract. You don't get to do that. Miles in Charleston. I got time for you, Miles, at the top here. Go ahead. JT, always great hearing you, man. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot. What's happening? Listen, JT, quickly, because I know we're up against it. It would be great, in my humble opinion, if the smack-off participants, especially the winning calls, actually address sports. You've got, you know, half a dozen wonderful sports topics that anyone could hit on. You hit some great points going on right now. Uh, and as you well know, and as we all heard on Friday, not that it wasn't great, but it doesn't deal with sports. This is a sports talk show. I thought JT as a, uh, you know, the original smack off winner and someone who, let's be honest, pretty much addresses sports and doesn't deal with how fat people are or how much alimony they have to pay or all those things. Uh, it'd be nice to sort of ingest a little bit of that back into the smack off. Thanks, buddy. Have a great yeah, you know, That's That's an important topic in the history of the smack off. And when I came in, when I came in, it was mostly about sports and there was a lot of comedy and a lot of fun there. But as it's grown, uh, there are some great attacks. I mean, that's what guys do in their 20s. I'm in my 50s. Guys in their 20s rip on each other. More so guys in their 30s rip on each other. Uh, men are fascinated by other fat men. That's what I learned in the jungle. Men, men are fascinated by people's weight when it comes to other men. And I, I never heard, I, don't, I haven't listened to every smack off or every call, but the attacks on Caleb and Green Bay, I mean, you go win the smack off, you're the reigning champ, and then everybody tears you down and just rips you the entire time. A lot of guys can't handle that. He can. The winners of the smack off can. That was pretty brutal. It was the Caleb show yesterday. If you didn't have Caleb in your phone call, you probably weren't going to win or be in the top five, I can promise you. Final hour, Scott Kaplan will join us in Los Angeles. Come on back. We're recapping the smack off. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Thanks for coming back. Final hour in the jungle. JT, the brick in for Jim. We're doing a full smack off 29 recap. 
If you want to get in here, final hour of the show, you know how to do it, 800-636-8686. You can hit me up at JT the Brick or at Jim Rome. The guys are heading me tweets. If you want to get right through and you can't call, hit me up via Twitter and jump on in. We had a great time the first couple hours. Good calls coming in. Everybody seems to be civil on this. No one thinks there's a massive problem with the judging of this. Jim gets final call on all this. Congratulations to Mark in Boston, a first-time winner for winning. Was it a gimmick that he did it at a bar in Wisconsin? Was that a gimmick or not? I don't know. I, I, I don't know where you want to make your phone call. I don't care where you make your phone call. I care how good your phone call is. And there were a lot of good callers here in the first hour all the way to the end. Mark in Hollywood, a lot of people think Mark should have went wire to wire. And won the smack off, fair enough there. BIC with the phone glitch, which we'll get to this hour. The conspiracy theory seems to be there. Uh, Rick and Buffalo, that number four, I thought that was about right. Can he win? Will he eventually win? I said yes. My opinion is he could win. Will he win 30? That would be a big one to win. One, I won. 30, bookend those teams. Two at Rick and Buffalo. That'd be fun. Sean the Cablin Asian was fantastic as always. He always has a great call. He's a sports talk host now. He can get it done. Eleven Laguna outside the top five. Outside the top five at number six. I thought the biggest injustice was Iafredi at seven. I thought he could have won or came in second. I did not have him at seven. I don't agree with that. I don't understand how that came about. Is that disrespect to the elders of the jungle for new blood winning? I don't know. I'll leave it to you. You can call in on that. Caleb in Green Bay came in eighth. Uh, v in the fee, nine. And Benny and Wisco in ten. If you didn't get into the top ten. That's tough. You, you wait around all year not to get into the top 10. That's not something to be proud of, but you took your swing. You're in there. You're trying to get it done. So congratulations to the XR4TI, everybody behind the scenes here who put a lot of time into this, and we'll see what it sounds like. Smack off 30. Man, 30? I can't believe it. Now, you talk about time flying. <laughs> time doesn't fly in sports often, but that is just incredible here. So we'll get to your calls on that. I want to hear from a few more of those who want to check in, and don't be anonymous. If you, you don't have to be a legend to call in, but your vote matters to me today. That's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to do a recap here today in the seat. That's never been done before, in the seat, in the studio here. So we take it seriously. It's a good day to do it. The Smack Off will be replayed tomorrow. So July 4th, everybody's off here, including myself. Then I come back on the 5th TV radio simulcast. So check us out here. we got a couple of good guests. Olden Polonese is scheduled to join me, NBA insider. He's great, not good. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox and NASCAR on Fox. And Damon Bruce in the Bay Area. He's really good on the radio, his YouTube channel, and he knows the NBA inside and out. It's countdown to the baseball all-star game. That used to be the highlight of my summer growing up as a kid in Long Island, New York, staying up and watching the all-star game. That was my favorite event, bigger than the Super Bowl. Has it, lost, has it lost its touch? Do you look back at the great all-star games of your youth and look forward to it again? In Seattle, Otani, Trout, uh, Judges Hurt. Uh, that doesn't look, these, these rosters were the all-star game, everybody. Are nothing home to, to write home about. These are not elite rosters here, especially some of the reserves. You got to be kidding me. Got to Google half the guys who make the All Star team. It's not like back in the day. This isn't the Ted Williams, DiMaggio, Tony Gwynn era of the All Star game here, but Otani could put on a show. I'm going to see Otani tonight, thanks to the Padres. I'm going down to Petco to be a guest there. I'm going to take my son. Looking forward to going to the Padre game and 
see what the ballpark looks like. I go there every year. I love the ballpark. It's one of my favorites. San Francisco, what they've done up there, beautiful. I was there when they opened that ballpark. Petco, fantastic. You got Dodger Stadium here. The highs and lows of baseball so far this year, the Yankees and the Mets are absolutely brutal in the number one media market. The Dodgers don't look very strong to me. This Dodger window is closing unless they spend more money. Let me be the first to tell you that in the Southland. If the Dodgers don't spend at the All-Star break and get more pitching, they're going nowhere. If you watch their last two pitching performances, average. if you're counting on Clayton Kershaw in the final year or second to last year of his career to save you and get you to a World Series, on top of having Dave Roberts, who normally manages small in the postseason, his worst managing is in the postseason. Good luck with the Dodgers getting it done there. Cincinnati and Baltimore have been a great story. Tampa Bay got out of the gate very quickly. Nice to see them playing well. And probably the Braves are the best team in all of baseball. Minnesota Timberwolves all-star guard Anthony Edwards has signed a five-year designated rookie maximum contract, a max deal that could be worth up to $260 million. He's 21 years old. He's getting a super max at 21, which means he'll get another one at 26. He'll get another one at 32 if he stays healthy. But would you sign a super max and stay in Minneapolis? Or would you wait for that to expire and leave in free agency? And then maybe you go to New York and play for the Knicks. Maybe you go to L.A. and you play for the Lakers. You can't leave, and you can't leave these smaller markets where you're not going to win if you keep signing extensions. No one's talking about that but me. All these guys in their 20s can't turn down the money. Zion in New Orleans, John Moran in Memphis, uh, Anthony Edwards in Minneapolis. It's too much money to turn down, so they sign it, and then they stay with these teams that aren't going to win. Maybe the poster guy for that is Damian Lillard in Portland. Keep staying. Well, why are you staying, Dame? You're not going to win. Now, all of a sudden, Damian Lillard cares about winning. He wants to go now? What about three years ago, four years ago, five years ago? I would have told him he was never going to win then. But the money was too good. And he thought he was loyal. Well, he's not loyal anymore. He wants to go to Miami. So how about that Dame loyalty that we got for seven or eight years? Today, as I sit here in the jungle, he's not loyal. He's ready to leave. Guys want to chase rings. We're in the ring-chasing era of the NBA. We're also in the load management era of the NBA. And the league's got a problem. And the NBA is very important for the lifeblood of American sports. The NBA is very important. But a lot of fans are bailing on it. Some of the sharpest fans that I know, callers, people on social media, are bailing on the NBA because they don't like the effort or the lack of effort in the regular season. You cannot continue to do, and Adam Silver cannot let these guys load management at this level. Again, they just can't. I mean, Greg Popovich, I wouldn't say he is the crown, he's the pope of load management. He's the guy who started this all. If you go to the Load Management Hall of Fame, there should be a statue of Pop outside front because Pop started this all. Well, Greg Popovich, if he wasn't Greg Popovich the last three years, would have got fired. Doc Rivers got fired. Nick Nurse gets fired. Monty Williams gets fired. How come Greg Popovich doesn't get fired? Because he's Pop. He's like Belichick. He's the Belichick of the NBA. Now he gets Victor Wembayana, who I will be at his debut. I'm going to his debut at Summer League coming up here. Can't wait to see it. Summer League's a big deal for us out in Vegas. I live in Vegas. 
They have done an unbelievable job. It gets better and better every year. We'll say the, see the debut of Wembayana, I believe, coming up on Friday. Looking forward to seeing what that looks like. All right, back to the smack-off updates as we take a look at some of the calls. Uh, the big thing that I don't think enough people are talking about today is the controversy with BIC and the phone. And what happened here? I need jungle conspiracy theorists to say, was this on the telephone company? Is there something I don't know about? Or did Brad make the common mistake made by most losers? And he's a winner. He's one of the greats of all time. He is. He's, he's got six. I got one. He's got six. But how could your phone line get in the way of your phone call? Home stretch here, Jim. Looks like I finished the Brad and Corona bone stock in Omaha. Ugh. Uh, Omaha. Get the link from Left on Laguna. War Lady Clones. Yeah, you, you can't win with that mistake. And it's a mistake, and someone is to blame, and no one likes to point fingers. Well, I need some people to point fingers. Someone screwed that up. That cannot happen in a smack off with 5,000 on the line. So that happened there. You don't get a do over, you don't get a replay. Uh, another common, common conspiracy is that people who know you're calling in the day of the smack-off who have your number can call your phone during the smack-off and hit your phone hard. You can get a lot of people buzzing in. That's why you take your smack-off call to a landline. I still have a landline in my house. I'm not a boomer. I want it. I got kids. I got a mom and dad back home. I like to have a landline. I just like to have it. If I was making a jungle call again, it would be on a landline where no one knew I was at, so no one would try to call dial in and interrupt my call. I don't know what that was, but they're going to be talking about that for a while. That was a $5,000 conspiracy theory in the jungle. Leffen Laguna always has a chance to come in and win. Uh, taking a look at the scorecard here, Left comes in six with this. And Caleb, dude, you're pretty open about your faith. You repent for all your sins, but shouldn't God be the one repenting to you? Because after all, he made you short, fat, bald, half-blind, and redheaded. And Jim, I saw the Lorelei has spotted cow on draft today. Uh, not the beer, Jimmy, but Caleb is posted up on the back bar with those lactating man boobs. Talk about farm-to-table, Jimmy. I just hope the Lorelei is non-smoking because one spark in there and all the farts are going to send that roof all the way to Minnesota. And lastly, Jim... All right, so that, that was a good call, I thought, overall. Top five, possibly. Top three, no. But a very good phone call, and coming in sixth is nothing to be ashamed of. Solid call again. I think a lot of people think the left could come in and win the 30. The 30th one, it will be the most important one coming up. One, maybe 10, 25, 30. 30, it's going to be loaded coming in here. So he's always good. Always think he can win coming in. Benny and Wisco, part of the Wisco experience here. Do you have an advantage now with Jim's life and lifestyle, well-deserved in Wisconsin, that if you make a call from Wisconsin or you're from Wisconsin, you have an advantage? Did Jeff Dahmer have Asperger's? <laughs> And why is every outfit that Benny wears purchased at Costco, despite the product being good and comfortable and available and fairly priced? And why does I afraid he call and yell at us every year about how good he is at, at this without being funny or entertaining? And why does Brad say the same thing over and over in every call without anybody noticing or caring? And why did Jeff and Richmond get detained at the airport for smuggling blow only for the TSA agents to find out that he put a pounded gold bond underneath his man boobs to combat man boob chafing. And why, oh, why? Okay, so that's a solid call there from Benny. He came in 10th. Uh, personal attacks, fat jokes, 
uh, going after caller after caller after caller after caller. Is that good enough to win the 30th? Will there be more of a sports call mixed into that? Or will it be a call similar to that? Which, again, they're, they're very entertaining, very fun. But it's caller-on-caller crime, going after the caller. you got to be great. That's why Brad's got a big advantage over all used guys, as they said in Goodfellas, because he knows how to make those attacks and come right at you and make it entertaining and informative there. And then uh, finally, Caleb in Green Bay, who goes from one winning the smack off to eight, something that I would want to avoid. You don't want to go from one to eight. But it's hard to get in this top five. Jim, Brad's probably going to come in here with another spiel about Mark in Hollywood. You know, far be it from me to tell a guy with six rings how to do this. But we've been making fun of Mark's acting career longer than he had an acting career. Okay, The only other blip on the timeline that's gotten this much run in the jungle is the pride of Calabasas High School, Eric and Lyle Menendez. Go Coyotes. And the worst part about that case is not that two people were tragically murdered by their children. It's that Jim had to hear about it every day for the next 30 years on his radio show. It's the same with Mark. He's in one episode of Grey's Anatomy, one episode of CSI, and he played Whitney Houston's corpse in the biopic last year. That's it. I'm sick of hearing about it, Brad. Move on to something else. If you want to go after Mark, Make fun of his writing career. His IMDb page, I'm not making this up, says he has seven, quote, upcoming projects. Yeah, sure you do, Mark. And I have a girlfriend who lives in Canada. You wouldn't know her. Finally, Jim, it's clear after his call last year that I afraid he hasn't lost any MPH. All right, so as we fade that down, uh, Caleb coming in there really strong. Very strong phone call as we wrap it up there. So uh, the JT the Brick, uh, this is the way I would have had it. Everybody's been waiting on this. This is the way I would have had it. At number five, I would have had Shawnee, the Cablin Asian. I would have had him at five. At number four, I would have had I would have had Leff at number four. At number three, no doubt about it, I would have had Iafrady. I had him at two. I'll say to three. Uh, the runner-up, Mark in Boston, the champ at number one. I would have went Mark in Hollywood, wire to wire. I thought it was going to be a first. That's the way I had it there. The only issue I had was seven. I afraid I would have moved them up to two to three. Uh, Shawnee right there. Left, I would have slotted in the top five. Uh, BIC, great call, but almost a disqualification. Oh, I didn't want to say that. Almost a disqualification, and it probably wasn't his fault. Just came out of nowhere. Conspiracy theory. No one's getting that today. That's a big topic. That's going to be talked about for a long time. At least it is behind the glass here today. And again, I don't know Mark in Boston. I welcome him into the fraternity. Great job by him overall winning. And I thought what Mark in Hollywood did. He went out on a limb with the gimmick, which is hard to do, and he pulled it off. And he went first. And I thought he went wire to wire. So to do all that, that would have been an incredible moment for him. Uh, more reaction if you want to call in here. You're... Your weirdest part of the smack off in scoring. That's all we're talking about. 800-636-8686. At JT the Brick. At Jim Rome. Uh, this one comes in. Uh, Jeff from Richmond didn't deserve the pre-smack off praise he was getting. I never understood the hype. He made similar calls over the last 20 years. It's not that good. Uh, another one comes in. I think Benny and Wisco won the smack off. Mark in Hollywood was my second pick. I haven't heard anybody say anything other than great things about Mark in Hollywood and what he's been able to pull off. What he was able to pull off is consistency, the ability to go wire for wire. Would it have been better if he went middle, late part of the show? Yeah, maybe. Maybe if he went middle to late, 
that could have changed things up for him because sometimes people forget how great a call is early unless you have a mic drop and you eviscerate all the other clones, and that wasn't going to happen here because it was pretty competitive, in my opinion. Uh, There is news on the NFL and gambling. I'll give you that before I get out of here. I live in Vegas. I see a lot of degenerate gamblers, gamblers, but most of them are NFL players. I think that this is the tip of the iceberg. I think there are more and more NFL players and athletes in sport that are gambling because it's making it real easy for them to go to these apps, to go on these apps, and they're too stupid, the ones who get caught, to figure out that those apps can be tracked by the app company and the NFL can get all their information there. So we're seeing waves of four or five players being suspended and losing a a, a year of their career. And now the more recent four players for gambling violations, a couple of big ones, Isaiah Rogers, Rashad Berry of the Colts, free agent Demarius Taylor, is out indefinitely through at least the 2023 season for betting on NFL games last year. If you can't put down your bleeping app on your phone when you're at the team facility, you're on the team bus, you're flying to another city, once you get to the hotel in the other city on the road, that is an NFL property you're at, you can't bet. And stay out of the sports books. It's pretty simple. And don't let other people bet for you, and I think more people are going to start betting for others, and they're going to get caught because all those guys are going to get pinched by the FBI. And when the cops and the FBI come to you and say who you're betting for, you will talk and squeal. And you will rat out those guys because those are the type of guys who do that. So the NFL has a little bit of a problem on its hand. I live in Vegas. I don't gamble and live in Vegas. I love people who gamble. I do podcasts and sports talk shows on this. But you got to quit gambling if you're an athlete in the prime of your career. You can't do it. And if you don't have the discipline to put down the app or put down your bet until you retire, which is normally in your late 20s or 30s, you're going to get caught. And Roger Goodell wants transparency. There's a lot of hypocrisy going on because the NFL's taking all this money from these gaming companies, but they got to show that they're on top of this issue. They must be able to show that they're on top of this issue. All right, we're going to talk to Scott Kaplan coming back. Very good sports talk host, great friend of mine. He's always entertaining. He'll have good information in Southern California on what the Clippers and the Lakers are trying to do here in the offseason. You line it up. We'll get to your calls on the other side before we wrap it up. 800-636-8686 at JT the Brick at Jim Rome. And we'll be back on Wednesday to really get after the NFL, the offseason, my season win totals. Big show coming up on Wednesday. Smack-off replay tomorrow. JT and for Jim. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. 
or Trapper? What's your beef? Welcome back, JT. And for Jim, thrilled to be here in Southern California. What the hell's going on with this marine layer? It's real. This is real. From San Diego up here to Costa Mesa in Los Angeles. I'm getting a break from Vegas and the heat there. Good to have you back. A lot of people reacting to the smack off. I'll get back to that. Scott Kaplan's one of my really good friends on and off the radio. He has a massive footprint here in Southern California on the radio from San Diego to ESPN 710 here in Los Angeles. And he joins us. Cap, we missed each other a few times. You know when I come down to San Diego, I got a lot of people to catch up to, and you're a priority. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. You're right. The marine layer is for real. I mean, honestly, JT, uh, yesterday we were all sitting around going, um, isn't it supposed to be summertime? And it's like 68 degrees by the coast. And then literally just drive four miles east, just four miles inland, and it's 85 degrees, sunny skies in summertime. It's amazing that it's that close to the beginning, to the east of the marine layer, and you see that beautiful sun. I want to jump in with the NBA What's going on in in L.A.? Does Balmer have to get hardened? With the Lakers, did they do enough re-signing two players, which is nice? Do they need another piece? Damian Lillard's out there. Both the Clippers and the Lakers, I think, are trying to do the right thing, but I still don't think it's enough to win. I think what the Lakers did was really smart. I know it's something I've been kind of talking about a lot on the radio, which is you have LeBron and you have Anthony Davis. You have two superstars. What you don't need is a third superstar. And it's not because a guy like, I'll use an example, Kyrie Irving. It's not because Kyrie Irving is not a great player. He is a great player. He's just a terrible teammate. He's a horrible guy to have in your locker room. And you're going to pay him what Dallas did, 100% of the money, to get like 60% of the work. And so um, I've been saying that you know, they don't need another superstar. They have superstars. They don't need another personality to come into that locker room and, and try and compete like Russell Westbrook did. Uh, I love what the Lakers have done so far uh, by keeping Austin Reeves, by re-signing D'Angelo Russell with a big haircut, uh, keeping Rui Hachimura. And then I, I think they've just added pieces. And so I, I think the Lakers are better on paper, but obviously there's a long way to go. As for Harden and the Clippers, which has been rumored, there's another place where I just don't see that personality fitting in. Now, they don't have in the Clippers locker room the strong public personalities and talkers like the Lakers do. I don't know, JT. I'm out on guys like Harden now and guys like Russell Westbrook, guys that can put up numbers but can't win championships, and they're older now. I'm out on those guys. Yeah, what's interesting to me about Harden, does he even move the needle? Because Kawhi doesn't because he's not engaging with the fans. You don't see him out doing a lot. And Paul George is hurt often, and the load management issues with both of them. If Harden comes in a year before the new arena opens, does it move the needle? There aren't many Clipper fans to begin with. So if you add another superstar or two, if you added a couple hundred thousand fans – and I'm not saying all of them would leave the Lakers. No one who's a Laker fan, a real Laker fan, is going to jump ship to the Clippers. But does it even matter what the Clippers do? Does anybody care on your show and throughout the, the L.A. region? Because this Harden deal, if they kept Paul George and Kawhi and made that a big three, I'd be real interested with that, especially with Russell Westbrook and what they have. Yeah, I'd be interested in it, too, uh, just because I'd want to see the drama that would happen. I mean, last year when my partner, George Sedano, who you know well, when George was on the radio preaching that the Lakers needed to make a trade, I was like, no, don't make a trade. Because 
I found the whole Russell Westbrook thing entertaining. It wasn't winning, but it was entertaining. If you put James Harden in that locker room with the guys you just mentioned, um, it, it would be like one of those things where you have all this talent and you have all this data that says that these guys are going to be great as individuals, but what you really don't have is any data that says this group could win a championship together. And so, you know, I don't think, to answer your question, I don't think that James Harden moves the needle one bit in L.A., at least with the Clippers. Yeah, and that's hard to say because he's a big-name celebrity guy, but I, I agree with you on that. Scott Kaplan joins us, longtime sports talk host, sideline reporter in the NFL, everything that he does. I'm going to the Padres tonight to see Otani. The Padres are just, what a disappointment they are this year. Still with a lot of talent. And yeah, they could get the third wild card or the second wild card. It's not out of their realm. But the Otani story here is incredible, Cap. What are you hearing in regards to keeping Otani, not moving him to get Max in return? I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to let him and Trout play to try to steal a World Series or go deep into the playoffs. But Otani seems to be the big draw at Petco Park compared to the Padres. Yeah, and I was I was thinking last week, I was trying to put it all together, when would Otani pitch? Apparently he's going to pitch tomorrow. Uh, so you're going to get to see him hit at least tonight. Um, you know, here's the thing, JT. Everybody seems to have this opinion that he's 100% leaving the Angels. And I just don't know that that's 100% true. I, I think what, we, what we've heard from Otani, at least, I mean, he doesn't really say much, but I definitely think that he wants to win. And that's kind of been his position. So if all of a sudden the Angels find themselves in playoff contention this year, and if they can give him the money that he would get on the open market, why, why do we all assume that Otani is leaving the Angels? And I think most of us, at least in the L.A. area, think that he's leaving the Angels so that he can go to the Dodgers because they've got the money um, and they've got the, the right community to make Otani an even bigger star than he already currently is. Um, but you're right. He is the story going into this Angels-Padres series because on the Padres side, um, they find themselves eight games under 500. They find themselves having spent an absolute fortune of money that no one can seem to figure out where this quote-unquote small market team got all this money to spend. And it's been a disaster because when you have a general manager that only looks at numbers, JT, that's all this guy looks at are the analytics, the statistics, the data, the numbers. He forgets about the human element. There is still a human element to pro sports, no matter how much you sell me on analytics. And there's something to putting a team together and chemistry of ball players and personalities. And thus far, through the first half of the season, the Padres, which seem to be everybody's favorite to get to and win the World Series, they've been a giant failure. Scott Kaplan, ESPN Radio here in Los Angeles. Finally, I think it's interesting what's going to happen with contracts going forward for quarterbacks. As we take a look at Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow kind of wants to wait around. I, I know the market the market never resets, Cap. You and I have talked about that. It just continues to go up, up, and up. Everybody wants to get more money, but there is a really good quarterback here in Southern California. I think he's one of the best, no doubt. Herbert's unbelievable. He's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen live, and I know that's going to kill Raider Nation who's listening in. He's that good, and he's better live when you see him make all the throws. But he was part of one of the biggest collapses of all time. We think of Brady down 28-3 to to Atlanta. What about what happened with the Chargers and that complete tank job 
against what I thought was a pretty average team in Jacksonville and had the, one of the greatest comebacks in postseason history. He's not going to pay the price for that. And the Chargers never seem to have their team completely healthy, ever. But they got a great quarterback. How do they build around them, and what do they pay them? You know, JT, you're so right. And, and you know the story uh, better than so many other people do. And, and the story goes like this. It doesn't really matter if it was Dan Fouts way back when, if it was Drew Brees, LaDainian Tomlinson, Phillip Rivers, um, up until now, Justin Herbert. It never seems to change. It doesn't matter if they're playing in San Diego in an old beaten-up Qualcomm Stadium or if they're playing in Cronky World in a beautiful SoFi Stadium as Stan Cronky and the Rams tenant. None of it matters. The ownership has remained the same, and every year, no matter what, this team finds a way. They spend a ton of money on players. I mean, I will give them that because I call the ownership cheap all the time. They spend a ton of money on players, but it hasn't gotten them where they've expected to go. I mean, very few playoff appearances. That was Justin Herbert's first playoff appearance last year in that epic collapse against Jacksonville. And JT, on the horizon, they've spent so much money on defensive players. They're going to find themselves in one of those cap situations where they're going to have to pay the piper just a couple years from now, and it's going to start next year. If they don't hurry up and sign Justin Herbert um, and they let the Cincinnati Bengals for some reason set the market and then Herbert's the next guy to sign, they're going to have put so much money into him and they're going to have nothing to show for it because they got very good when he's on a rookie contract, sort of that old Russell Wilson Seattle strategy. Um, Now they got to start paying this quarterback. And uh, if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm happy to wait. I'm happy to wait to see what the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert do, and then just walk into the Bengals and go, I just want more than that. That's all. You're the best. Talk to you. Hope to see you here in the next couple of days. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, congratulations. Killing it on Rome, as always. And that means that you get from me on the way out the door. <laughs> Phenomenal. <sighs> Phenomenal. There he is, the great Scott Kaplan. Good friend. You have friends in life. Some people have radio friends. I like to have real friends. Scott Kaplan is one of them. He is great. Fantastic to hear from him as we continue on. I love the tough guys on Twitter. The phones work here if you want to come in. This is Abs of Steel. I love how the dinosaur, JT the Brick, talks blank like he even knows what goes on in the smack-off and can name more than five of the people who call in. There's some truth to that. I don't know many more than the five or six people that I know. Wouldn't call me a dinosaur, but uh, very interesting. And uh, how many more smack-offs would I want if we called? We won't know. I did a mic drop after one, and uh, one gives me the status to come in here and do whatever the hell I want when I come in here. And we're doing a smack-off recap because Alvin loved the idea, and it's been rolling all day today. So if you want to go after one of the callers you thought they should have been slotted higher, come on in. I mean, I thought I fought pretty hard for, I don't call Iafredi a dinosaur, but I thought he should have been a little bit higher up there. Yeah, and I look at some of these other callers who are there. They'll be back again. Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event starts now with the savings on select PCs powered by the latest Intel core processors, plus great deals on select accessories and free shipping on everything. Save now by calling 877-ASK-DELL. We're wide open to the top of the hour. JT, in for Jim as we're recapping. We are recapping the smack off. Good night, 